Alright, welcome back to Lecture 8, Introduction to Homer's Odyssey, Books 10 and the first part of Book 11, Slides 134 to 150. Alright, let's pick up where we left off. Recall that Odysseus, or Odysseus is on Scoria, telling the Phaeacians at the house of Alcanoas about his journeys from uh, Troy, uh, which started 10 years ago from the beginning of this story. And so first he got to go to Ismaros and see the Cacones. Then he met these very interesting plant-eating, non-bread-eating people called the Lotus Eaters. Dragged a couple people back who got addicted to that. We thought that's some sort of opium uh, thing, something that makes one waste one's life and give up one's homecoming. Then we met the Cyclopes, who were onomos, without law. They did not give very good hospitality, and they don't really do a lot with what they have. They're very large, but they do not make ships. They do not make homes. They live in caves, and they do not make laws. They don't make a lot. And, well, we saw there also Odysseus uses cunning to overcome this giant, very similar to, say, the David and Goliath story from the Old Testament, a smaller, uh, savvier person defeating a larger and stronger person. The way that you do that is obviously not through muscle, but through brain muscle, through your mind. And we saw Odysseus and his men escape under rams after blinding Polyphemus, and then unfortunately Odysseus made the blunder of yelling out his name after calling himself famously nobody to the Cyclops. The Cyclops is the son of Poseidon. The Cyclops then called for Poseidon to curse Odysseus. Odysseus is now very much cursed, but he does not know the nature of his curse. So today we will have to figure that out. But we have a couple other places that we need to go first. So after escaping from the Cyclops' island, something I didn't mention last time, but which I think is very nice, is the very same favorite ram that Odysseus uh, escaped under uh, from Polyphemus' cave is a, the same ram that he ate that very night himself after getting off his ship. So I love that. How did he get Polyphemus back for eating his men? He ate his favorite ram. And so there's a bit of parody there. In any case, now continuing the magical journey of Odysseus, he makes it to a floating island called Aeolia, named for the god of winds there named Aeolus. Aeolus is himself a minor god, and since he is the god of winds, he serves the god of oceans because often storm winds uh, afflict sailors on that ocean. And so what will happen when Poseidon wants to sink somebody like Aeolus, for example, is he will go to Aeolus and tell him to use one of his four winds to... Uh, cause a storm, or maybe multiple ones in conjunction, and that will often create a maelstrom, which is a whirlpool, which ends up destroying a, uh, the ship. Sometimes also Zeus will just throw a thunderbolt. In any case, we meet Aeolus. Now, knowing that he is divine, we know that he does some things that the gods do that humans uh, consider somewhat nasty, that humans don't do. He has six daughters, he has six sons, they are married to each other. And so, uh, of his twelve children, all of them are married to their brother and their sisters, just like the Olympian gods are. Hera and Zeus are, of course, brother and sister as well. That's to show us these are not normal sorts of people. They live on a floating island. They marry each other. Not the sorts of things that we do. In any case, he entertains Odysseus for a month. During that time, he comes to like Odysseus and decides to help him out. He thinks, huh, you're having a little bit of trouble getting home. Well, if I were to give you all the winds, except for one to push you at the back, then Poseidon couldn't make a storm. Then Poseidon couldn't do anything to you. You would just make it home. Well, how about I do that for you? And Odysseus says, yes, please. And so Aeolus takes the winds that could cause storms that would keep Odysseus from getting home, puts them into a bag, ties that bag, gives it to Odysseus. All right, he should just make it home, right? Yes, yes. 
he should just make it home, unless the recklessness of man gets in the way. Because, oh yeah, here's a nice picture of Iolus. Look at him blowing the winds, has a bag on his head, looking kind of funny. In any case, everything's going swimming. Odysseus and his men have made it almost home. They, in fact, are within sight of home. Literally, it is described as them being able to see the fires, the cooking fires at home. They can smell the food. They're practically there. But as we know from the Odyssey, you are not there if you are practically there. You are almost there. And there is a world of difference between almost being there and being there. Almost having done something and doing something. Odysseus has been at the helm, steering the ship for several days. Several days because he does not trust his men to do what he can do. And since he's been up for so many days, he's become quite fatigued, tired. He gets so tired that when he's within sight of Ithaca, he thinks, okay, well, that's enough. How could I not make it? And he falls asleep. But when he falls asleep, his men, they start to talk. They notice this bag, this bag that he was given by Iolus. And they think, hmm, this Odysseus. He goes so many places and gets so many gifts, and who knows whether he'll share it with us. And we've been all through Troy with him. We deserve that bag just as much as he does. I'm sure it has gold, silver, all sorts of valuable things in it. The men decide, let's open that bag. Big mistake, because once they open the bag, the bag creates sort of a tornado, which immediately takes Odysseus' ship all the way back to Iolus' island. Which you think, oh, well... No problem, right? He can just put the winds back in the bag, and then Odysseus can just go back to Ithaca. It's like, no, no, no. There's a very big difference between trying something once in the first attempt and the second attempt. If somebody gives you something once, and then you lose it, are they as likely to give you something again? No. And in fact, we're going to see a, a duplication of a theme that we saw uh, with the Cyclopes, because what Iolus actually says is, since you have been moved back here, you must be the most unlucky of men, the unluckiest of men. And in fact, you must be cursed, just like the other Cyclopes thought about Polyphemus when he said nobody was afflicting him, because they thought that he was crazy. And well, Iolus is like, if I can do everything for you, if I can give you a bag of winds that keeps a storm from afflicting you on the sea, literally nothing can happen to you on the sea, and yet you still manage to get back here? What, what am I supposed to do for you? Obviously the gods hate you. And so he says, go, go away. He sends Odysseus away. I want you to notice this. Had Odysseus not been cursed by Polyphemus, had Odysseus, his men, not opened this bag, many, many, well, many of the men who did not die to the uh, Kikones would have survived. But we're about to see a lot of the guys who are going to die, die right now. Here's a nice image of the bag of winds. Oh no, how could that have happened? Who could have conceived of it? Alright, and then he returns to Iolus. As I told you, Iolus asks, what happened? Odysseus tells him what his men did, and then Iolus sends him away saying he's cursed by the gods. We have to leave that floating isle now. Alright, now a place that we don't get a lot of time to talk about, but where a very big and tragic event happens. Odysseus makes it to the isle, or the city rather, of Telephos, where the Lystrogones live, sometimes called the Lystrogones. The Lystrogones are giants, just like the Cyclopes, but as far as we know, they have two eyes in their heads. Well, Odysseus sends two men and a herald to go to their city. And actually, they're given directions 
by the daughter of the king. The king's name is Antiphates. Uh, something interesting about the daughter is she does not apparently look very giant. She is uh, a normal-sized daughter, but her father is very large. Well, she leads the two men into her house, where her father is, in the city of Telephos. And then the father is summoned out after seeing the mother. The mother's very large. The mother yells. And then the father shows up and gobbles up one of the men. And so again, we've run into cannibals. Just as we ran into a cannibal with Polyphemus the Cyclops, now we've run into other cannibals. But this actually gets far more frightening, because the man who's left runs. And while he runs, the Lystragones run after him. And in fact, Odysseus's ships are all in a harbor, all his ships except for his personal ship. He had left it slightly out of the harbor. Well, the Lystragones, as giants, just like Polyphemus, they take large boulders, and they take those boulders, and they throw them at the ships. They throw them at the ships full of Odysseus's men. So Odysseus's men, on 11 of his 12 ships, every single one of them is sunk. Every single one of them dies. 11 twelfths of Odysseus's men are dead as of now, all because of his curse, all because of the fact that the bag of winds from Iolus was open. Just think about that. These men were minutes away from making it home. They could see the fires. And now, many of them are what? Dead. Dead. And that should show you that when it is time to finish a task, to get to a destination, get there. Finish it. Do not leave any uh, eye undotted, any shoestring untied. In any case, 11 ships are destroyed. Only Odysseus's ship escapes. The men are very sad. And yet, the troubles are not done for poor Odysseus. No, no, no. In fact, in a way, they've just begun. The next place that we make it on our journey today, the final place, uh, besides the underworld that we will be going, is a place called Aiaia. Aiaia, it's, uh, this place is named Aiaia for the same reason that Aias is named Aias. It's supposed to sound like a scream in uh, uh, ancient Greek. And so, what is Aiaia? Well, it's a verdant, beautiful island. And on this island, Odysseus decides to split his group, his final few sailors, into two. And the person, and then uh, there are going to be two leaders. Odysseus will lead one group. His brother-in-law, he has a sister who's married to him, named Eurylochus, will lead another group. They draw lots, they throw them, and Eurylochus and his group have to go explore the island. They're very scared, they're very nervous. There's been a lot of tragedy lately. They, uh, they don't really want to go, but it is their responsibility to go. So what they do is Eurylochus takes these men up to a house. They find a house in the middle of this forest. It's like a witch in the middle of a forest, or like finding a gingerbread house. And at this house, they find a singing lady with nymphs around her. And oddly enough, around this house, there are also wolves and lions. Very scary. And yet, the wolves and the lions will come up to the men and act like dogs or cats. They're just very friendly wolves and lions, which is not like how wolves and lions act. In fact, I saw a Vice article several years ago where a, a father tried to domesticate a wolf, and it, it just doesn't work. It takes many generations to domesticate an animal. You can't just do it in five minutes or ten minutes. And the, In the story, there were multiple times where that wolf like cornered the man and like got sort of uh, wolfy with him. It's like, if you have, like, if you want a fox or a squirrel or a wolf, remember they are not domesticated animals. They will not act like your cat. A wolf might try and eat you at some point. It gets hungry. In any case, 
Cersei feeds the men. And remember the theme. When you eat the wrong thing in the Odyssey, or at the wrong time, you die. And so, what the men, and this is slight, so I guess this is a slight derivation from the theme, because these men don't die, but when they do eat the food and drink the wine of Cersei, she's put malignant drugs in them. That's how they're described. Malignant drugs. And then she takes out her wand, she goes, boop! And they all turn into pigs. I don't know what sorts of men turned into the wolves and the lions, but Odysseus's men, who just ate whatever was given to them, were turned into pigs. And uh, sadly enough, they still have the minds of men. So they just had to go around being like, bah, bah, bah. that was Shakespeare, by the way. Um, bah, 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 that was Virgil. And bah, 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 that was from the Constitution. Uh, but it was in pig language, so you couldn't understand it. In any case, Oh yeah. Okay, so one man does not go into the house of Cersei. That is Eurylochus, perhaps because he's wise, perhaps because he's cowardly. In any case, he runs back in a huff to Odysseus. He's, he's ranting and raving. Nobody understands what he's saying. He's ranting and raving. Gotta get slapped in the face. What happened? And he says, oh, this woman, she's a witch. She, she turns all the men into... To, to pigs. Uh, what, uh, 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 we got to get out of here. And Odysseus says, no, we don't got to get out of here. Somebody <coughs> needs to go back and get those men because we don't have that many men left. And so Odysseus decides on his own to go back up to this house and get these men back, just as he had on his own gotten the men out of the trouble with the Cyclopes, after also getting them into the trouble with the Cyclopes, but also how, uh, just like he had gotten the men out of the trouble with the Lotus Eaters. And so, he goes back up towards the house of Circe. While he's on the way, however, he gets a divine visitor. Hermes shows up out of nowhere in the guise of a young man. And says, ah, oh, there's this plant here. It has black roots and a white flower. It's called moly. And if you eat some of this, when Circe tries to uh, give you food and bop you on the head with the wand and turn you into an animal, you will not turn into an animal. But if you wish to get your men back, there are a couple more things you need to do. When she tries to turn you into an animal, you then need to take out your sword and approach her with this sword. Apparently, Circe is the sort of immortal goddess who can be harmed by swords, does not want to be harmed by swords. Sort of like Ares and Aphrodite from Book 5 of the Iliad. In any case, he had, Odysseus has to take his sword and threaten Circe. She will then offer him a chance to come to bed. But he is not to take that offer uh, without having her take, make an oath first and foremost. She will say, come to bed, and he will have to say, make an oath on the river Styx that you will not unman me, or do some sort of diabolical thing to him while he is vulnerable and without his weapons. And if she makes that oath, then he is to lay with her, then she will make his men back into men from pigs again. Well, all of that happens, and it goes off without an itch. So good job, Odysseus. Great. <clears throat> do I not say that? After... They have been with, after they have lain with each other, they go to eat. And they're being served by the servant nymphs of Circe. But Odysseus refuses to eat. He won't eat any food. Why won't he eat? Well, he says, how could I eat right now? My men are pigs. I don't even know what you're trying to feed me here. Man meat? What is this? Uh, Circe says, oh, oh, excuse me. And then she takes out her wand, and she turns the men back into men, and they cry with gratitude <laughs> to Odysseus, because they were pigs with the minds of men, and they thought they were doomed to become bacon, but then they became men. And not only did they become men, 
But Cersei, apparently this is like the ultimate spa treatment, has made them younger, handsomer, and taller. So it turns out that they netted a gain from becoming pigs. So I, I, I don't actually know whether the advice is never to uh, uh, take uh, malignant drugs from Cersei and food and wine so that you can eventually become a person uh, after having been a pig or to just not in the first place. I, I would say probably you need to hedge your bets and not assume that Odysseus is going to save you. Uh, in any case... They spend a year there with Cersei. They've been very sad. They've been very tired. They've gone through a lot. I mean, they had a Trojan War. Then they had the Cacones they had to deal with. They met these Cyclopes, Lystragones, all sorts of nonsense. Uh, and these men also got to see home just to be blown away from home because of their own reckless decisions. Well, they spend a year with Cersei. And then when Odysseus wants to go, Cersei gives him some terrible news. The terrible news is this. Um, you want to go home. But there's somewhere you have to go first. And this is very similar to what Menelaus learned from prophecy when he was in Egypt. He thought that he could just go home to Sparta. He had to go to this little island named Pharos. There at that island Pharos, he realized he had to go, or he learned from Proteus that he actually had to go right back to Egypt and then sacrifice huge hecatombs, which he had to acquire over a lot of time. And so Odysseus is told, you need to go to the underworld. Well, that's a terrible thing to hear, because generally when you go to the underworld, you don't come back from the underworld, because you're dead. And that's where you stay forever. And there are actually stories of heroes that make it to the underworld, make it out. And there are a couple stories of people who go in there and then don't come back in. Theseus makes it back out. Heracles makes it back out. We'll see that Odysseus does make it back out. But there was one guy named Pirithoas who tried to abduct the queen of the dead named Persephone. He ate food down there. He did not come back out. There's also a story of a uh, goddess named Demeter who is abducted. Or excuse me, Demeter is the mother of Persephone who's the queen. Persephone herself was abducted by Hades, her uncle, with the help of her father, Zeus, taken down to the underworld, and because she ate a few, I think, figs, it might be pomegranates, depends on the story, uh, she has to stay down there during several months of the year. Those months of the year are generally considered winter. And so the idea is that we have spring because Persephone has come back up from the underworld, and so the, her mother, Demeter, the goddess of grain and the harvest, makes all the plants live again. And that's the ancient story. In any case... We must go down to the underworld because there is a character in the underworld who is a prophet named Tiresias. He knows all things and is always right. You'll see him being right when we read the Oedipus. You'll see him being right when we read the Antigone. You'll even see him being wrong in the Inferno next year. He's down in the Inferno amongst other prophets. In any case, we have to go to the underworld because only he can tell us what the nature of Odysseus' curse is and how he can somehow make it home even though he's been cursed by an Olympian god. Doesn't seem like it's very likely that he will. In any case, Odysseus cries in disbelief as he goes. And then, before the men go, they have a feast. You should always have a feast uh, before you're potentially going to die. And uh, during this feast, the men take their wine, and a couple of them, especially this young one named Elpinor, get drunk. And, well, it's kind of a summer night, and he decides that it's a little bit hot, and so he takes a, a ladder up and sleeps on the roof outside. Okay. Sounds sort of nice and pleasant. Yeah, I guess. But uh, the next day, he wakes up, and it says that he forgot to use the ladder getting down. What does that mean? Does that mean that he missed the ladder? Does that mean that he tried to jump down? Whatever it means, he misses it, he falls, he breaks his neck. He's dead. So you can guess who we're going to see down in the underworld first. Elpinor, because he just died. Sorry, Elpinor. And that's how we remember him for all time. His story lives on. 2,800 years after it was first written or sung, uh, because he got drunk, fell off a roof, and broke his neck. Uh, 
In fact, that actually reminds me, there was a person in my undergraduate, he was a year older than I was, and when he was about to graduate, he actually had a similar feast and did something similar to Elpenor and decided he wanted to jump between buildings thinking he was invincible. It was like a two-story building. He tried to jump between two, he missed the jump, broke both of his legs, was in a wheelchair during graduation. I forgot his name, but I should remember it because very Elpenorian. Bad decisions are bad decisions throughout all time, often. In any case, let's keep moving. Odysseus and his men sail for several days. They pass by a people on the edge of the world, the end of the world is described, called the Chimerian people. And we get near a forest, and near that forest we see uh, several rivers. There are several rivers of the, uh, uh, of the dead. There's Styx, the river of hate. There's Acheron, which is sort of a lake in front of it. You'll hear about these. Uh, both in the Inferno and in the, uh, the Aeneid later this year. And also there is the Pyrophlegathon, sometimes called the Phlegathon, the River of Fire. In any case, we don't get to go into the underworld here. We will sort of be in front of the opening to the underworld in spirits, sort of like vague, transparent ghosts, like they're often represented in media these days, will start to crowd around Odysseus. And so they're going to be sort of mindless. So he's going to have to create a puddle where he puts blood and water and milk and honey, all sort of substantial elements, and he has to guard that puddle with his sword, and the spirits who he wants to speak are going to get to drink from that puddle and then talk to him. And so Tiresias still has his mind, but he doesn't have his gift of prophecy unless he drinks from this puddle. And so today we're only really going to see three people. First we'll see Elpenor. who will explain to us that he fell off a roof. Odysseus actually cries when he sees Elpenor. And uh, here's something just sort of funny and sad about Elpenor. Apparently nobody noticed that he wasn't on the ship, or he was so inconsequential that nobody even noticed that he wasn't there. <clears throat> and because they didn't notice he was there, when Odysseus sees that he's here in the underworld, he says, how did you, not even using the ship, get here before us? And Elpenor says, bro, I'm dead. That's why. I don't have a body. And... Actually, I need you to go back to Cersei's Island and bury me, or I'm going to haunt you forever. And then Odysseus says, yeah, yeah, okay, bro. Whoa, I don't want any ghosts following me around. I already have this curse. So he will go back and bury poor Elpenor, but very sad way to die and very sad thing to see. In any case, that's what he says. Then, sadly, and this is even sadder, and uh, this I think should teach you something about how time is always passing, so you don't always notice it. Well... Back at home, Odysseus has a father and a mother. Well, I should put it like this. He had a father and a mother. His father's still alive back at home. But he's been gone 20 years, almost. No, no, sorry. At this point, more like 13 years from Ithaca, because he hasn't been to Calypso's yet in this uh, part of the story that he's telling. Uh, so so uh, his father's still alive, but he sees his mother. If he sees his mother in the underworld, what must have happened to her? She died. She died without him knowing. And here's the even sadder part. Even though he sees her, and that's very sad to see her, because he must immediately recognize that she's dead because she's there, he can't talk to her yet. Because the reason he came down here wasn't to see all his old dead friends and family members. He will see several of them, including Aias, the greater. He'll try and make up with them. Won't work. <coughs> see Agamemnon, have a talk with him. He'll see Achilles, have a talk with him. He'll even get to talk to Heracles. He'll get to see two very famous people, too. Orion. This is, I believe, the biggest constellation in the sky. We can see it even here from California. 
And also he'll get to talk to Minos. We'll see Minos again in Virgil's Aeneid. You'll see Minos again in Dante's Inferno, judging the dead in any case. Odysseus sees his mother, but he cannot yet talk to her. So, who does he want to talk to? Well, the next person to appear is Tiresias, the blind prophet. Blind in the same way that Demodocus, the singer of the five Kansas, is blind. Blind in the same way that supposedly Homer was blind. And also very famous for his correct prophecies regarding a character named Oedipus, who, listen to this, married his mother, had children with her, and killed his father. All unbeknownst to him should have listened to Tiresias. In any case, Tiresias says this, Yes, bro, you are mad cursed right now. And uh, you actually have big difficulties still ahead of you. As much as you've gone through, there's still more coming. You are going to go by a place called Thrinachia. It's modern-day Sicily. Do not land on that island, because at that island, there are these beautiful golden oxen called the Cattle of the Sun, the Cattle of Helios. They are Apollo's favorite oxen. Do not land on that island, because when you see those oxen, you might say, hmm, that cattle looks delicious. You might want to eat it. Very natural thing to do with cattle. However, if you do eat that cattle, you are doomed to die no matter what. Apollo loves these cattle. He will demand your death if you eat them. Do not land on that island. However, if you do land on that island, and you don't eat the cattle, but your men do, they will die. But you might still make it home. But even if you do make it home, all your men will be dead, and you will come back in another person's ship, and you will find insolent suitors in your home. So even if you do make it home, which is extremely unlikely, because you'll probably land on Threnikia, you'll probably eat the cattle, and you'll probably die, even when you do get home, there's going to be essentially a standing army waiting there to kill you. So, Odysseus does not have very many good options. This curse is a very damaging curse to him and his men and to his fortunes. Yes. And so, even if you do, and then, even if you defeat all the suitors, you're not done with your work then. You don't get to just hang out at home with Penelope. A lot of students have found this very unfair. Even if you <coughs> defeat all these challenges, you will still have to travel to a place where men do not know anything of the sea, have purple cheeks, and you have to plant your oar there, like, like, a, like it's a tree. And there you will die in an unwarlike way. And so finally, at some point, Odysseus gets to die after more journeys, even than these. And so he is the man of journey. And he, only then and there will Poseidon fi finally forgive you for the curse. Uh, or for blinding his son, which he has cursed you for. All right, cool. And then Odysseus, and this is very famous, and I just want you to focus on this because you're going to see this again and again. In the Aeneid, you're going to see this happen twice when uh, Aeneas loses his wife and when he loses his father. He's going to have a chance when they're both ghosts to try and hug them. He'll try and hug them three times. In Dante's Divine Comedy, you're going to see Dante meet his friend Casella in uh, the Purgatorio. He's going to try and hug him three times. All of that is based on this very sad moment. When Odysseus meets his mother, Anticlea, he now gets to talk to her after having talked to Tiresias. He, of course, seeing his mom, what's he want to do? Give her a hug. Tries three times, but he can't because she is no longer living. She no longer has limbs or flesh or blood. She, uh, she is made of uh, the things of dreams at these 
at this moment, and you cannot hug a dream. And so if you still do have a mom or a dad or anyone you love, make sure to hug them while they are still very much what? Alive. And so we will end talking about life in a place of death this semester.